you to turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. Before I read this passage, I want to remind you a little bit about uh, where we are. I know some of you are visiting today. Maybe some of you weren't here last week, and we're looking at uh, what the Word of God has to say about marriage and the family, but in particular, all relationships in the sense that in Ephesians, in uh, verse 21, it talks about submitting to one another out of a reverence for Christ. And I am convinced that that is the umbrella verse uh, for what comes next with the various relationships. It, it speaks of wives submitting, husbands loving their wives, and I'm convinced that's, that's how husbands are to submit to their wives. We are all in submissive relationships, and then it will talk about fathers and children and slaves and masters. And so, while today we are talking about, about husbands, uh, last week we, we talked about wives, and those two go so closely together, they, they overlap with each other. So if you didn't get the opportunity, it's online, you can get a CD of it, and I would encourage you to listen to that uh, at some point. Now, as I, as I read this, uh, you know, there are all kinds of explanations that people have for headship and, and submission. And people have tried to explain it. People have tried to explain it away. Uh, people have misinterpreted it. Uh, you know, one of my favorite explanations is from our friends in uh, Ukraine where they will say this. They will say, the husband is the head of the home, but the wife is the neck that the head rests on. <laughs> That's their way of explaining it. I always like that but I prefer for us to listen to what God has to say and how he explains it. So let's begin with that 21st verse in chapter 5, submitting to one another out of a reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. 
Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ in the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. And remember, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's bow together. Father, virtually everyone in this room has preconceived notions of what headship and submission is. Whatever those are, Lord, will you enable us to conform our view, our understanding to what your word says and not what anyone in the world says, not what anyone in our past has said, but instead what your Holy Spirit teaches us. We ask for this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. I want to give you a view from the front of a wedding. Most of the time, most of you will see a wedding from where you sit, unless you're in the wedding or it was your own wedding. But I've got a little bit of a different view of it. Here's what happens. At the appointed time, I walk out that door and around here. But nobody's looking at me because they want to see the groom who follows me and the best man. And I will come and I will stand here in the middle and then there'll be the groom and the best man. And then the processional takes place. Everyone enjoys that, but they sit kind of like you are, and when a couple or a, a girl walks by, they, they take a look, and, and they're happy and everything, and, but that's not really what they're here for. So the wedding party comes in, and they take their places down below and on the platform up here. And then the doors close, and the music changes. And then there's a fanfare, some kind of a fanfare, and the doors open, everybody stands, and everybody is looking at the bride who is walking in. Well, everybody but me. I, I glance at the bride, but I quickly look at the groom. And there I get an up-close view of the groom when he first sees 
his bride. More than once, it's brought tears to my eyes to see that look of intense love, of joy, of anticipation, of focus upon his bride as she walks toward him. All eyes are on her. Everybody in the room, they, they turn. Everybody in the party turns wherever the bride is, and she is completely the focus of those moments. It is an awesome sight. I want you to hold that thought. We're going to come back to it. I want you to remember it because what I've just described is a whole lot more than what most people who are at weddings think they are witnessing. We'll explain that in a minute. So here we are talking about headship. And this is not politically correct. But we're not guided at St. Andrews by what's politically correct. We are guided by the holy, authoritative, inspired Word of God. So let's take a look at this concept of headship and the way that Paul explained it to the, the Christians in Ephesus who were in a minority and who were in a, a pagan culture, and he was explaining to them, this is what the new community looks like. You husbands, whatever you think being a husband is, when you come to Christ, it's going to change. And here's what it looks like. And what he does, he doesn't just say, boom, 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 one, two, three. He talks about Christ. And he says, here's how I want you to understand it. Understand it in the light of the love of Christ. Husbands, verse 25, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her. And we're going to first look at the love of Christ and then what that means to husbands. And once again, we talked about submitting to one another. If we think of the love of Christ, he's actually submitting to the needs of the church, of his people. He set his rights aside, didn't he, when he came here to this earth. And so, Submission is, is all in the background of all of this. But love is the key word for the Christian husband. It cannot be taken lightly. Uh, it's one of those statements that's it, it's rather non-controversial that, yeah, husband, you ought to love your wife. But what's radical is what he says here. You need to love your wife like Christ Love the church. And then he's going to hit it from several angles. The first one is Christ gave himself for the church. 
love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Now think about that for a moment. We know he died for his people. We learned earlier in Ephesians that in the councils of eternity, before the foundation of the world, he set his love on his people, upon us. And then he followed through. The incarnation teaches us that, that he uh, left his throne, his rightful place in heaven, and he came to earth. And he lived among us, poor, born in a lowly estate, living uh, uh, the life of a human because he became fully human. He took on flesh, so he was fully God and yet fully human. And he lived the life and faced temptations that we face, yet without sin, to the point where he was then, because of that, able to go to the cross and to die not for his sin, but for the sins of his people. And he was put in the grave. And then he rose again, and he ascended into heaven. That's his love for us. Sacrificial love, unmerited love, not because it's deserved. Don't forget that part. He didn't love us because we deserved it. He loved us though we did not deserve that love. And then his goal was to make his church holy, verse 26, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. Sanctify her. Uh, the idea of uh, something being sanctified is it's set apart for a special use. So what we have is Christ uh, desires the church to be set apart for himself. And so he did everything that was necessary for his church to be his own and have what she needed. Christ is cleansing the church through the word, it says. Though your sins be as scarlet, they'll be as white as snow. He did what was necessary for our forgiveness. And then it says Christ will present the church. So Christ showed he had done everything necessary for us as his children, even though we don't deserve it. There is an amazing account in uh, the book of Hosea. There we see the prophet Mary uh, uh, Gomer, and uh, she is a prostitute. Now, I guess I just have to say this. If you marry a woman named Gomer, you're taking your risks, okay? <laughs> but he is told again and again to pursue her, to love her. And it's this real live illustration of God's pursuit of his people even when they run from him, even when we do that which is offensive to him, 
he continues to pursue his people. And that's his love set upon us. Last week we looked at submission. Here's my question. Does anyone here feel like rebelling against submitting to someone to a God that I've just described? To Christ who has done all of that for us. Is there there anyone really of us who being reminded of that would say, well, I'm going to rebel against him anyway. We might do it, but to think that, it, it doesn't fit. And so that's where Paul is coming from. Now, here's the thing I want you to remember, and this is a key. Sometimes there's some confusion with how submission and headship fit together. In other words, there might be a temptation for uh, a wife to say this. Well, sure, the way you just described Christ, I'll submit to him if he loves me like Christ loved the church. And that might make perfect sense to you. Or the husband might say, well, sure, I, I, I will love her if she submits to me out of a reverence for Christ. That's absolutely the wrong way to look at it. Those are not contingent on each other. They affect one another. There's no question. It is easier to love a wife who reverences you like Christ, and it's easier to submit to a husband if he's loving you like Christ loved the church, but that can never be an excuse if the other one is not doing their part. As we said last week, the whole idea of submission, that's not spoken to husbands. It's spoken to the wives. You wives, this is what you need to do. And it doesn't say, if your husband does this. Wives, you are to submit out of a reverence for Christ. And then this week, it's husbands. You're to love your wife like Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. And that's where it ends. It's not if she is a good submissive wife. So you can never use that as an excuse your spouse's behavior for whether or not you are uh, doing what God has told you to do in your role as a Christian husband or wife. So with that in mind, let's, let's apply the, the love of Christ as I put my outline displayed for all to see. In other words, in marriage, husband to his wife. There are three things parallel to how Christ loved the church. And we could could parallel each of the things that I just said, but I I put them into categories. The first one is uh, to die for her. Now, here's the thing. 
If you ask Connie, would I die for her? I don't have any doubt in my mind that she would say, yes, he would. And I would. I wouldn't, I wouldn't think twice. I would take a bullet for her. Somebody pulled a gun, was pointing at her. I would step in between. No problem. I, I absolutely would do that. And I am convinced that she knows that. Most husbands would. Although some of you, instead of that, have gotten your wives a concealed weapon permit or something like that. But... <laughs> So most wives know their husband would do that. But here's the bigger question for me, for husbands. Not would you, not would you die for her if somebody was going to shoot her? Because realistically, that's probably not going to happen. But will I die to myself for her? Will I die to my own selfishness for her? And that goes to the next point, and that is to live for her. 1 Corinthians 13.5, love does not seek its own. It's not Christ-like as long as we are concerned about our own needs being met. We must die to ourselves and die to our selfishness. Husbands are naturally self-centered. So are wives. But husbands are naturally self-centered. 1 Peter 3.7, uh, which is a great passage. I'm going to read, read it to you, but... It gives really the definition of love for our wife without using the word love, um, which I think is a, a, a good way for us to look. Likewise, it says this, Likewise, husbands, 1 Peter 3, 7, live with your wives as an un, in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as a, the weaker vessel. And that's just talking about physically weaker. Show honor to her in that way since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. So the, the first aspect there in terms of loving her is living in an understanding way. Let, let, me, let me clue you in. We talked about this several weeks ago in the Foundations of Marriage. There are differences between men and women. Okay? God made us male and female. We need to understand that. We need to embrace that. Through the years, I have talked to uh, too many men, and I've uh, seen it with women as well. For instance, a woman will come into my office and she will talk to me about what she feels like she needs from her husband. And the more she talks, the more what it sounds like she's describing is her girlfriends. Really? Do you, do you just want another girlfriend? Someone who 
does all those things that you're, you're getting from your friends. And, and then I've seen on the other side guys that are, you know, they're saying, oh, well, if she would just do this with me and that with You know, and it's like, like they're describing their buddies. Well, instead, what Peter's saying here is, look, there, there are differences here. And don't forget this in what Peter says, but I'm saying this, that those differences are exactly what attracted you to one another in the first place. So don't try to make her like you or him like you or your girlfriends. But instead, live in this understanding way. And then I want to use that word chivalry. It's an old term. We don't use it much anymore. But there's a sense. It might be like uh, the couple where the, the man always said, you know, I'd die for you. And the wife says, yeah, I know you'd die for me, but uh, while you're waiting to die for me, how about drying a few dishes? <laughs> you get it? To die to self for that person. And then communion as heirs together. Specific roles in marriage, but absolute equality as image bearers of God. That's what it means, heirs together. Absolute equality there when it comes to our standing before God. So even though in the home one has the role of being the head before God, there's absolute equality as image bearers of Him. Let me give you something real practical you, for you who are husbands. Uh, what bothers your wife? What pleases your wife? What bothers your wife? Now, if you say, well, you know, there's really nothing I do that bothers my wife then I, I've just got to say, let's go back to the living together understanding. When you need to start, start there. But instead, if I really forced you to, I'm not going to do this, but if I really forced you to, saying, what are her hot buttons where I can really get under her skin? What really bothers her that she's mentioned to me? And you know what they are. You, you know what they are. Well, here's the question with that. How does that, the fact that you aren't addressing those, how does that compare with loving her like Christ loved the church? You guys, somebody's going to come out and say, boy, you were stepping on my toes today. Well, listen, I, can, I could tell you they wouldn't make sense to you, but I can tell you of two things this week that, that I did differently because I was immersed in this text. And I, I, I was going to do one thing, and I said, oh, that's, that doesn't really fit. It will make changes in how you treat your wives if you, if you keep that 
right in front of you. And then it talks about protecting her. Like Christ sanctifies the church and cleanses her, a husband should do everything necessary to win his wife and to keep her love. Husband should not do anything to defile the purity of his wife or put her in a compromising situation. John Stott said this just so about this passage. Just so a husband should never use his headship to crush or stifle his wife or to frustrate her from being herself. His love for her will lead him to an exactly opposite path. He will give himself up for her in order that she may develop her full potential under God and so become more completely herself. See, that's real headship there. As opposed to squashing a wife, it's enabling her to be all that God made her to be. And then we read in verse 28 by way of application. It says, In the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies, he who loves his wife loves himself. And I know I just said a moment ago that husbands are naturally selfish, and it sounds like this is feeding right into that. I don't think so. I think this is explanatory instead. Uh, I I think Paul is basically saying if, if you guys haven't heard it yet, let me, let me give you one more angle here. Love her like you love your own body. Now, in what sense? Well, here's, here's a question. Whose hair did you comb today? Now, if you've got little kids, it might have been several, uh, but for, for most of us, we combed our own hair. Then you went to your closet and you said, oh, Okay, body, here's your selection and what will help me look as good as I possibly can look and that kind of a thing. And so you take care. Here's what Paul is saying. Be as obsessed and follow through as much of taking care of your wife as you do your own body. You're going to take care of yourself. That's how you need to be considering your wife. Because Paul says she is part of your body. The two shall become one flesh. Get it? Remember our introduction today? The view from the front. I said that uh, what I just described is a whole lot more than what most people think they've just witnessed. Here's why. Most people attending a wedding feel like they are witnessing two people who are being joined together and uh, going to hopefully live a happy life together. And that's true. They are seeing that. But it's a whole lot more. Here's what Paul says. This mystery is profound. And I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. If people are trying to figure out how it illustrated Christ and the the church, 
One might be tempted, how a wedding illustrates Christ in the church, one might be tempted to think, well, you know, with, with the bride and all of the focus on the bride, it, it seems like that the bride ought to be Christ because he's the center of everything. But instead, under the, God's inspiration, he says, no, you know what? Christ is the bridegroom. And we are the bride. And so when I see that, that groom look at his bride, that's what gives me tears because it reminds me of Christ gazing on me and on us and saying, that's, that's my whole focus. You are my bride. You see why it's so important? It's not just this passage, not just so you can have a better marriage. You can if you follow what this passage says. But it's giving the world a real live picture of the love of Christ for His church. And so here's the question for us. If our world judges Christ's love for the church by husbands, how you are loving your wife, what kind of picture will the world have? And so we have Christ as our example. But way more than that, for you who are trusting in Christ for your eternal life, He dwells within us. And He's the one that can enable us to love our wives. Never perfectly like He did, but more like He loved the church. Let's bow together. Lord, as, as husbands, I think we would all have to fall before you and say, we don't even uh, love our wives like you love the church, not even for a moment. But will you give us the want to, to do so more? Not in our own power, but walking in the Spirit, seeing your great love for us, and wanting to pass that on to our wives. Lord, will you enable us, empower us, so that the world that loves to watch Christian marriages in hopes that they will fall apart, so that they will see something that is totally different than they see anywhere else. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.